Hi everyone, I'm Dave. And I'm Marvin. It's day 139, and this is God's Big Story. It's a story. It's big. Never boring. No way. For his glory. Always. It's God's Big Story. Welcome back, everyone, and today is the day that we finish up the two books of Kings. And, oh, well, what's this? It's Professor... <laughs> oh, hey now, what is going on? Hello, Marvin. Nobody knows what he's gonna ask now. It's Marvin, the friendly, curious cow. Mm. Yeah, that's better. Okay, well, it did seem like the professor wanted to come on. Are we good? Can we play his jingle now? Well, now we can. It's Professor Westminster. 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 Summer, springtime, Professor Westminster. Someone you can always go. Professor Westminster. It's Professor Westminster. <laughs> okay, hello, Professor. So, well, how come you're here so early? Ah, well, Dave, I have something else really cool to show you. Okay, great. Yeah, so yesterday's reading finished at 2 Kings 20, verse 19, yeah? That's right. Well, the very next verse, verse 20, says this. The other events of the rule of Hezekiah are written down. That includes how he made the pool and the tunnel. He used them to bring the water into Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, that does not sound that cool, Professor. Aha, that is very wrong, Marvin. So, when Hezekiah knew that the Assyrians were coming to surround Jerusalem, well, he did two things. One, he blocked up all the water springs that flowed around Jerusalem so that the Assyrians would have a hard time getting the water to drink, yeah? Okay. Yes, so the other thing, he cut a tunnel through solid rock, bringing water into the city. So even though the Assyrians were outside and could stop them getting more food, they would always have the water to drink, yeah? Okay, well, yeah, that seems smart, Professor, but I don't know if I'd say that's super cool. Yes, well, here's the cool part. The tunnel was rediscovered in 1838. So, you can go to Jerusalem, and you can see it. You can wade through it today. Oh, oh wow, that is cool. Yes, it is. Here's something else cool. In 1880, a little boy went swimming and wading through the tunnel, and he found a rock, which had words carved into it from the days of Hezekiah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Hezekiah had one team start digging from the bottom, and another team digging from the top. Now, the tunnel is over 500 meters long, and nobody knows how they did it. But somehow, the two tunnels met up almost perfectly. Yeah, the inscription on the rock that the little boy found, well, it talks about when the two tunnels joined up and the water began to flow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is actually very cool, Professor. Ah, I told you so. <laughs> Thanks, Professor. And yes, again, I'll put another picture up on Facebook so that the boys and girls can see what the tunnel looks like today. Ah, great. Okay, bye, everyone. <laughs> okay, Marvin. Well, we really need to get to our reading. 
So yesterday we heard the last of Hezekiah, who became proud, but he was still generally a great king who did his best to follow God. Now, we're going to fast forward a bit today. Next came his son Manasseh, and, well, I'm afraid he was terrible. Oh, no. Yep, he went right back to worshipping false gods, even doing it in the Lord's temple. And the Bible tells us he killed so many innocent people that their blood filled Jerusalem from end to end. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, his sin was so great that God decided it was time to put an end to Judah, just like he had with the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, his son Ammon came next, and he was just as bad as his dad had been. But then, actually, we had Josiah. Now, Josiah was only eight years old when he became king. Oh, just a little guy. Yep, but now he is actually the last good king of Judah. He gets rid of all the false gods and their priests and all the other evil that is going on. But, well, after that comes Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, and Jehoiakim. And they are terrible kings, going right back to worshipping all those false gods. Oh, I see. Now, do you remember yesterday the Babylonians came to visit? Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they got to look at all Hezekiah's stuff. They did. Well, Babylon was growing and getting stronger and stronger. In fact, do you remember how the Assyrians used to be the big dogs? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm afraid now it's Babylon. They're in charge and, well, yes, Hezekiah had shown them all his cool stuff. And now they're coming to capture Jerusalem and take over all of Judah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, who's reading this today? Well, today we're back to the lovely Bryn. Yeah, you have to call her that, huh? Hi, Bryn. Hello. Today's reading is from Second Kings chapter 24, verse 18, until chapter 25, verse 12. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. He ruled in Jerusalem for 11 years. His mother's name was Hamutal. She was the daughter of Jeremiah. She was from Libna. Zedekiah did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did just as Jehoiakim had done. The enemies of Jerusalem and Judah attacked them because the Lord was angry. In the end, the Lord threw them out of his land. Zedekiah also refused to remain under the control of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. He marched out against Jerusalem. His whole army went with him. It was in the ninth year of the rule of Zedekiah. It was on the tenth day of the tenth month. Nebuchadnezzar set up camp outside the city. He brought in war machines all around it. It was surrounded until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah's rule. By the ninth day of the fourth month, there wasn't any food left in the city, so the people didn't have anything to eat. Then the Babylonians broke through the city wall. Judah's whole army ran away at night. They went out through the gate between the two walls near the king's garden. They escaped, even though the Babylonians surrounded the city. Judah's army ran toward the Araba Valley, but the Babylonian army chased King Zedekiah. They caught up with him in the plains near Jericho. All his soldiers were separated from him. They had scattered in every direction. The king was captured. He was taken to the king of Babylon at Riblah. That's where Nebuchadnezzar decided on how he would be punished. Nebuchadnezzar's men killed the sons of Zedekiah. They forced him to watch it with his own eyes. Then they poked out his eyes. They put him in bronze chains, and they took him to Babylon. Nebuzaradan was an official of the king of Babylon. In fact, he was commander of the royal guard. He came to Jerusalem. It was the 19th year that Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon. It was on the seventh day of the fifth month. Nebuzaradan set the Lord's temple on fire. He also set fire to the royal palace and all the houses in Jerusalem. He burned down every important building. The whole Babylonian army broke down the walls around Jerusalem. That's what the commander told them to do. Some people still remained in the city, but Nebuzaradan, the commander, took them away as prisoners. He also took the rest of the people of the land. That included those who had joined the king of Babylon. 
But the commander left behind some of the poorest people of the land. He told them to work in the vineyards and fields. Thanks, Bryn. Dave, Jerusalem, the, the city walls, God's temple, it's all gone. It is, Marvin, and this is huge. At least when the ten tribes of Israel were taken by the Assyrians, there were still two tribes left. But now, all of God's people, the twelve tribes, have all fallen. There is no Israel. There is no Judah. It's all gone. The Bible makes it clear this was the punishment for all the evil that had been done, especially by Hezekiah's son, Manasseh. But Dave, what about all God's promises? That's the thing. It seemed like they were all gone too. How could Abraham's family be a blessing to the whole world? How could there be a king on David's throne who would reign forever? David's throne, his royal city, it had all been demolished. It sure seemed like God's big story was finished. Right there, it looked like God had given up on his people. It looked like it was all over. Yeah, but it wasn't, Dave, huh? No, God doesn't do that. There may be consequences for our sin in this world, but God has never and will never give up on his people. Boys and girls, all of us, kids and grown-ups, we all have sins that we struggle with. And sometimes we might think, you know what, I've messed up so many times. There's no way God could still love me. He's bound to be fed up with me. I would be fed up with me. But you need to know that that is just not true. God will never give up on you. He just doesn't do it, ever. He's always there, calling us to follow him, waiting with his arms open to give us the biggest of hugs if we will turn back to him. Today, boys and girls, thank him for who he is, the God who never gives up on us. Yeah, just as well, Dave. (laughs) Exactly, Marvin. And yes, we are definitely out of time today, but tomorrow we'll start our next book, The Book of Jonah. Oh, great, Dave. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have a whale of a time. I'm sure we will, Marvin. Okay, bye, everyone. See you tomorrow. Goodbye. We'll see you soon. God's Big Story is a ministry of Eden Grove Presbyterian Church. Music and jingles... Dave Josh.